also inconsistent. Construction is hard. Welcome to the Construction is Hard podcast, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. That's we, need, we need to get like a little jingle going there. I'll say we construction do. is hard and you can always. And then say, but it doesn't have to it be. It doesn't have to be. Today, Gary and I are going to be talking about the first of our pillars. So for those of you that have been tracking these episodes through, we take this concept of workforce management, in other words, workforce management, how we see, visualize, and align our people on current future jobs. Uh, we break down this concept idea of workforce management into these six pillars, as we've called them. Uh, these pillars, they are symbiotic. Uh, again, just a quick reminder, they're symbiotic. They relate to each other. And today, I think we're going to see some of that as well. When we're talking about forecasting and scheduling, um, it becomes very apparent. But again, we're getting into our first of those six pillars. So today, we're just going to be focusing in on forecast. Now, is it a noun? Is it a verb? It's, it's all these things. It's this ideology and this concept of the forecast or forecasting. And right off the bat, I'm excited for this one because this is what everybody's chasing. When Gary and I go and talk to groups across the globe, doesn't matter the trade, GC specialty, you name it, everyone seems to be chasing forecasting. It is the hot ring topic right now. And the best part is you've got all these other tools out there that are chasing it too. And they're all claiming they help forecast, they help forecast. I think today, our main intent today is how we break down forecasting and how to visualize it. And we're also gonna attack a couple misconceptions or simple confusions that are causing a lot of people to chase forecasting but not really know what they're looking for. So as we jump into this, I think that's kind of where we actually need to start is talking about when we bring up this topic of forecasting, what does that mean? Everybody wants it, but nobody really knows what it looks like. Well, I think the other thing that is confusing to people is that they, they, they mix up project planning with long-term forecasting. And so I've always been of the mindset that you don't really forecast a project, you plan a project. Um, you forecast the future of the company you know, what's my workforce going to look like uh, six months from now, 12 months from now? That's forecasting, looking out in the future, blending uh, pursuits and uh, active projects to find and comparing it to your, your current workload. So Yeah, forecasting the organization's trajectory, forecasting the workforce's future or capacity. We call it workforce capacity. When we say that, we're going to say that today a lot. Uh, workforce capacity, think of that as I've got this many people, I have these many commitments or needs that are tracking against those people, how many of them are allocated or covered down on and what is that deficit? Do I need more or less people in the future? Uh, are we on track? Are we planning growth? And if we are, is it sustainable growth? Because not all growth is good as we know. Um, but this idea of forecasting and, and what is the future path or trajectory of the workforce or the organization or the division, insert your segment of the business, right, uh, as applicable, but really what's going on with this part of the organization and where are we headed? And one of the key things that I want to just call straight out that Gary started to hit on there is forecasting is commonly considered this mixture. And it's this messy concept of individual projects as well as groups of projects or the, or the organization as a whole. And we really, if that's a misconception. We really got to break it down. And this idea that forecasting is really two different mentalities. Forecasting is project planning and what is the aggregate or the accrual of all those project plans mean for the organization or mean for the workforce. Yes. And that right there, we're going to talk today about the idea, the concept behind project planning and organizational forecasting. Now, 
you can talk to 10 different groups and they're going to be doing this 10 different ways, right? So we'll talk a little bit also about like what we've seen and, and what groups are doing today to chase this. But I want to get right out there at the beginning. It's nobody's fault either. We go into organizations. I remember we were in one group. Uh, we, we go into their office and, and we've got everybody from the COO to the different VPs, the different business segments. And we had some different directors of field forces, et cetera. And the COO is just picking apart these VP of ops because this one poor guy, He's going, yeah, I've got a spreadsheet for that. And he's trying to forecast by individual headcount. Well, because he's trying to get to that level of intricacy and detail, he's living in his spreadsheet. So then the COO's turning around and going, hey, man, why are you living in the spreadsheet? We pay you too much money to be spending your time being a damn Excel junkie. And the guy, and we're going, hold on, wait, this guy's trying to do the right thing. Don't fault him for it. He just doesn't have the right tool. Yeah, he's in a, in a tough, tough spot. You know, basically, he's in spreadsheet hell. Right. What else is he going to use? Yeah. If there's a platform that isn't available, he has nothing to to put together the information that that's really being required of him from the the CEO. So, trying to compile all this information inside a spreadsheet is a, about a full time job. You know, you got to be looking at a lot of different aspects of your company. You you got to look at the pursuits, the likelihood that those pursuits are going to bear fruit for you and become a real project, and and the state of every project within the company. That's a daunting task. Juggling. You're juggling and, a lot. And as soon as you put the data in, something has probably changed. It's out of date. And, and it's just a constant, constant cycle of updates and trying to keep ahead of the curve on uh, that. Uh, projects get delayed. Now you've got to shift that project out. And it, it, the whole picture looks a little bit different, right? And you may be shoving it out into an area where you're not going to have the, the capacity or workforce to be able to handle it. And so what you thought was... Uh, we were set with the amount of people we have. Now, all of a sudden, just because a project got delayed or it, or pulled ahead, that that profile looks totally different, and now you've, you've got an entirely different problem on your hands. Everything's changed, and, yeah. and the COO was right too. Yeah. We pay these people too much money. If, if there's different people watching this, from we have PMs, we have executives, we have company leaders, everything in between. The COO is right, too. If your most experienced and your most highly paid executives and operational leaders are living in spreadsheets, you do have a problem. That's not where their time should be spent. But recognize the expectations on them. People process technology. We've talked about this. When they have shit tools, they're going to take the load. They're going to they're gonna suffer. It's just the facts. It's the literal business law of it. And that's where... Go ahead. Yeah. Well, you know, that's it. You know, they have shit tools, right? Whose responsibility is it to get them the tools they need to do their job effectively? It's the CEOs, ultimately. So make up your mind what you want. You know, do you want your your high-paid people in spreadsheets and spending a lot of time analyzing data, or do you want them to be more productive and give them the tools they need to do so? Now, what this gentleman was doing in his spreadsheet was he was trying to quote forecast. But he was coming across the same challenges again and again because he was trying to individually plan every job and then have it automatically roll up. But his forecast, as we talk about, you know, what does forecasting look like today? One of the most common approaches is simply headcount. I need five guys one week. I need five guys or gals the next week. And we're going to ramp up to seven, 10, 20. And then hopefully we have a nice labor plan that inc includes the exit strategy. And we roll back down. But a lot of times today, because of what we're faced with tool-wise, a lot of groups, when they look at forecasting, one of the signs of success for them is just forecasting headcount by week, maybe. And that's not enough. If I, if I know, okay, we need eight guys in three weeks on this job, guys or gals on this job, 
well then at the same time i'm going well what what kind you know right. do we, and, and that's where it's not feasible it's not feasible to be saying okay well how do i now break out my spreadsheet and start to consider all that again now i'm spending even more time in the spreadsheet i'm probably not the one that knows that level of detail so i'm waiting for somebody else to update me but that's a common one is if you're forecasting today and you're getting headcount just strictly headcount by week that's great you're scratching the surface you're scratching the surface for where it could be right and you're spending 80 hours a week doing so yes <laughs> you know yeah. no one should have to work 80 hours a week yeah uh, construction is hard but it doesn't it have doesn't to be. have to be and and uh so not only is it a daunting task, it's very time consuming and, and uh, that's not good for anyone. As we move into this next section, uh, we want to make sure it's clear. We're suggesting that forecasting is really a combination of two things. One, at the base level, the foundation is project planning, meaning we are identifying what types of personnel we are going to need for what durations on the job and what, uh, uh, how that relates to the workforce as a whole. So in other words, on project planning, we're able to say we need a journeyman, apprentice level four, uh, foreman, et cetera, for this duration to this duration. Next, we will need this group of people, apprentice level three, two, one, from this duration to this duration. Each need individually broken out and identified. Now, if you don't have a tool fit to this task made for this, this is hard. This is something that's very hard to do, and that's why we're seeing the 80-hour weeks. What we're, what we're suggesting and what we've seen is this base layer of project planning is exactly what accrues or summarizes or adds up to give us the true concept of forecasting that people are chasing today. Across my 50 projects and each of them individually planned out, I now see I have 200 needs next quarter for my personnel. 150 of them are accounted for. I'm going to need 50 more people and I got to start hiring immediately or we're going to be doing a lot of overtime. Those are the things that people are chasing. So the individual project planning is what then leads to us getting that forecast. Not a new concept, very widely known, but how do we go about actually identifying those needs and to what level of detail? That's where it gets into Well, you, you know, you hear a lot of, do you, do you project plan? And, and you hear it often where the contractor will tell you, we, well, we do on some jobs. Well, okay. You do on some jobs. How do you expect your forecast to be accurate if you're doing that on some jobs, right? You have to do them on every job. Even if it's a small, a small project and it's a block of time with allocation of, say, six men, that's all you need. You need to fork, or pardon me, use the wrong term. You need to plan every project in order to, to develop a forecast uh, to give you an accurate projection of where your company's at it. But your spot with the, that, that happens a lot. A lot of groups, I, I guarantee you today, you go around, talk to your peer groups, talk to your friends. It's going to be, yep, on the big jobs. We plan the big jobs, but not the small ones. Right. Well, your forecast is going to be however many jobs you're not project planning. Your forecast is thus that much inaccurate. Right. right. 10 plus 10 does not equal 25. That five that we missed, I don't know that. And that's what throws off these forecasts. And that's why a lot of groups end up accepting the fact that their forecasts are close. Well, what is that? Sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You, you have to plan every project to some degree. Even the service department. You know, if there's 10 people in the service department, allocate 10 people into your, your planning process, which will then turn into your forecast and solidify that. You can't ignore individual and projects. I don't care how small they are. We're going to have a team. We'll have the team here throw up a, a graphic behind us or whatever of the bell curve, a classic bell curve for our electrical contractors watching or mechanical. Um, uh, when we say hey, plan every single job, we totally recognize and understand that's a big feat. That's a lot of time. But 
when you have a tool that's fit to this task and made for this, you can see we can quickly say start, end date, hours, crew mix, yada, yada, boom. Give me a bell curve, give me a rough plan and get something out there. Get the head count measures out there. So you'll kind of see some stuff going on around us. That's how good these well, are. Yeah, are. and you know, you, you say that you know, it's, it's time consuming. It's gonna take a lot of time to plan every project. I would counter with that is, I'm not so sure. It takes a lot of time to correct things that are wrong. And would you, would you rather be more efficient on the head end and do it once and do it right? Or would you rather chase your tail and try to catch up on a project or two and take your eye off the ball on the other 50 projects you have going on because you have a, an issue with one individual project. So, you know, cost efficiencies come into play. If, if I'm planning every project and I'm doing it right, and I'm doing it right the first time, I would submit that it's you're much more efficient and cost effective by doing so. Let's consider this too. So we're, we're talking about our forecasting pillar, right? We mentioned how these are symbiotic. You know if your forecast is going well when you get the transitions. Obviously when project A is ramping down and project B and C are ramping up, yeah, that's gonna be our, our friction point. But when you're truly project planning every job, A, B, and C, you have the forecast to know, I have enough people to get through this project A, B, and C timelines, those transitions are all anticipated. They're all planned and thus forecasting or project planning to achieve the forecast in the depth that Gary's talking about, now all of a sudden scheduling becomes a whole lot easier and I'm not getting those delayed ramp ups or lagging ramp downs and the profit fade and bleeding out that we see. Well, the other thing with that is being able to time your transitions uh, mitigates the need to hire people in a lot of cases. So if you're not, if you're not planning your, your work all properly, you may find yourself caught in a situation where project A, which is scheduled to ramp down, isn't. And project B, which is scheduled to ramp up, is. Well, those people on project A that you originally had scheduled for project B aren't there. And not only are you bleeding out now on project A, you don't have people available on project B, right? What do you do? You, if you're going to keep time. up yeah. over time, which well, is, over time, is, is not a good idea, hire our way out yep. of it. Most of the time you hire your way out of it. Creating your own labor shortage within your company. You create labor shortages by not planning properly. And now all of a sudden you've got six people you hadn't planned on hiring at that particular point in time. And they onboarding is not cheap. And it's risky. And it's not very efficient. Uh, you know, you... you if you're la overlapping with the with the ramp down and the ramp up, those people that are on the project that isn't ramping down like it should, you're losing supervision, tools, equipment. Uh, it's very costly, very fast. Now, if you don't have the tools and equipment or the supervision to move on to project B, what are we doing to project B? As we kind of ramp down, there's, there's a few things that, that I want to make sure we address as well. And it's not Gary and I, we aren't picking on anybody either. Sometimes I feel like we're on a damn soapbox and we're like, you know, preaching, but it's it's just, we want to make sure people are aware that there is, it, this does not have to be this hard. This does not have to suck day in and day out, and it does. And we talk to the guys that are the ones, and look in your organization, you're gonna find a VP of ops, a director of field operations, a labor coordinator, somebody's in the hot seat, and somebody is just being drugged down by this. And that person, is just where it exemplifies. That person is a product. That person is the result of everyone else in the organization either A, not doing these things, or B, doing them in another siloed or fragmented fashion. 
And that person is just the poor soul that has to bring it all together because the company will, as we all know, at some point demand to see it all together. What is, where are we going? What's happening? There's a group we're talking about out of Florida and their CEO, they've got thousand people plus. And they're telling us to go, yeah, our CEO just has this sixth sense, this this gnawing in the back smarts. of his mind. And he, and he knows he, he's worried about labor. He doesn't feel good about labor. And he's got this fear back there, constantly nagging at him about labor. And they started talking to us because they recognized they could not see where they were going. And they knew that what they were doing to try to find out where they were going wasn't accurate, it wasn't true. So they're flying blind and they're, they're flying blind in the dark. And yeah, hope the mountain isn't coming up. You know, it's, Yeah, I, I agree with you about, don't wanna be up on a soapbox yeah. from preaching. But I, I would also say that, you know, if we can shine a light on some of the problems and, and make people aware that there are tools out there uh, that provide solid solutions to these problems. You know, the, the first step, and to write some of this is to recognize that you do have a problem and and hopefully some of the things we say during these these podcasts uh hit home with with a, a lot of contractors and they can they can relate and you know if that's the case great because yep. there's hope out there and there's help yep right and that's to be explicitly clear gary and i may be biased but i want to make sure it's clear we have worked with or trained or experienced every workforce management platform that is made for construction today and i think we're one of the few that can say rivet is the only one that actually allows you to drop in a baseline plan and achieve this the way we're talking about project planning every single job getting at least some kind of an idea on what the headcount's going to need to be in the future and where we're going next is well it's exciting but what I'm getting at, that's already, we are the only ones now that have this potential to really allow us to achieve a true, accurate forecast, a tool to get it all done. And it's just getting better. Uh, if you're assessing workforce management for your organization, uh, putting together the business case, maybe you have a tool today and you're curious about what does the value really look like? Do not underestimate that risk piece right there, that insurance piece. These tools should make your company money. It should save you time. It should save your people time, but it should also make your company money. We'll talk in a second here about like exit strategy with that labor planning, getting off the job faster and, and on budget or under budget. But the insurance aspect, just having these tools in place, asking your teams to adapt and consolidate the practices in one place, you are putting in an insurance policy. I know now I'm not flying the plane blind. I have somewhere to go look and understand if there was something wrong, we get that early indicator, that early warning. We've got radar. We have something that can kind of cast out and tell us, are there problems on the horizon, rather than waiting until I got to hire six people because this one, this one, uh, this project pushed and this one came forward. And time is your friend. Yeah, you know, being able to look ahead and and knowing that as soon as as soon as the early indicators start popping up, gives you time to correct course. Just like you said. You know, if you're waiting for the, the hire those six people that you hadn't planned on, that's catastrophic, right? Now you're scrambling. You're not. You're no longer. The situation is no longer in your control, and that is a big deal. I mean, when you're controlling the situation, you every move you make, you know is the right one, and 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 you are in control of your destiny. But if you let it get out of control, bad things happen. We used to always say in the army, you can you can seize the initiative, but you also have to exploit the initiative. So it's not just enough to seize it, then you have to exploit it and continue to own it. Right. And we've talked already in a previous session about kind of proactive versus reactive. But again, this, this foresight, labor planning every job to wrap up into your total forecast, 
this is really about getting that proactive posture and being able to look ahead and anticipate these changes, stay ahead of them, make the smart decisions. Don't create a labor shortage for yourself. Know how to get off the job on time. What is a responsible ramp up and ramp down look like? Even the small jobs, just understanding everybody knows it's going to be five or six guys or gals for the next two weeks. Fine. If it's a small little job like that, service job, fine. Everybody knows it. And we take those people out of the bigger picture. They are allocated. They're spoken for. How does our overall organizational forecast react to that? Knowing they're out of there. Have 100% accuracy. As we close, again, I want to just note, this is the first of our six pillars, forecasting. This is the one that a lot of people are chasing. These pillars are symbiotic. They don't happen one at a time. But usually this forecasting one is kind of out front. It's kind of at the bow of our ship. It's, it's out there because we're trying to pursue, chase, win, and plan work. And when we do that well, as you'll see in these next couple episodes, our scheduling aspects, our information, you know, all these different aspects become alleviated or are aided by the fact that these forecasts are whole, complete, consolidated, and accurate. We have an opportunity today with the right tools. A lot of people already have the right processes. They really do. They've got the right people. People in construction are hard. They are hardworking. They know what they're doing. Everybody's got that. The processes are actually usually out there. They just need a place to live. The opportunity is out there today. There are tools made for this for construction. Please find one. I'd recommend Rivet personally, but I'm biased. Uh, Anyways, consolidate, standardize your project labor planning, and you will, with the right tools, automatically accrue or summarize those, you know, add those up into, total those up into a organizational forecast. And it's in real time. It is accurate in real time. One thing to add to that, all that, what you just said, bring some discipline to your company, right? We can talk about discipline in all six pillars. So you have to make a commitment to yourself and and to your company that we are going to do this and we're going to do this across the board on every project and we're going to have a solid labor plan and we're going to have a solid forecast. You have to be very disciplined to to make sure that happens. Without the discipline, then you're wasting your time. You have to be committed to, to everything we talk about here to put together a real solid workforce management process. Again, I appreciate everybody's time. We're going to go and wrap up this first pillar forecasting. Our next topic will be rostering or the roster itself, really diving into what that means. It means different things. We're going to break it down. Thank you all again. If you want to look, they can find this on YouTube, on our website, on LinkedIn. Uh, always feel free to reach out to Gary and myself as well. Uh, Gary fishes a lot these days, so I'm not guaranteeing he's going to pick up the phone, but I might. Um, but yeah, thank you guys again. And again, if you have any comments or stuff, please reach out to us and let us know. We are... We're not the final say on these things. This this industry is developing this workforce management category, and I believe we are just in the first evolution, the first phase of this. This is going to go places that we can't imagine today, but I just hope to be a part of it. Yeah, I, that's my sentiments as well. Um, Thank you. So with that, construction doesn't have to be hired. Yeah, we got, we got to figure out like a, like a sign-off, you know, like a- Construction you know. doesn't have to be hired, but- No, I say construction. All right, you say Construction it. is hard. Construction's hard. We just lost all credibility because we can't do this shit. Say it again. Construction is hard. She can make cake. Yeah, you can cut all this out, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) Construction is hard. But it doesn't need to be. It doesn't have to be. Have to be? Need to be? Whatever you feel. What do you want? Whatever you feel. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. I feel like I should. Because then he's the one that can actually prove he did it. He proved that it doesn't have to be. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. So I'll say construction is hard. I'm young and naive. So I'll say construction is hard. But it doesn't have to be. Perfect. I like that. Does that work? (laughs) We got there.
also inconsistent. Construction is hard. 